Thank you. Appreciate that. If you have your Bibles, open up to Psalms chapter number 1. Waiting on the Lord is a difficult thing to do, especially for, for when we're impatient. And sometimes we tend to be impatient and not wait on the Lord. Certainly a, an important thing. Psalm chapter number 1. Last week we, we looked at weathering the storm and building, uh, building our life. Uh, on the Lord Jesus Christ and laying our foundation really on the Lord Jesus Christ and how important that is out of Luke chapter 6. Of course, we uh, think of the Sunday school song that the, uh, the foolish man had built his house upon the sand and, uh, and the waves came and the storm came and blew it down and the wise man built his house upon the rock. And, uh, and of course, that rock is Jesus and uh, we ought to found our lives upon the Lord Jesus Christ and that's how you will weather a storm, and I was speaking specifically and thinking about our graduates, and as they go on in their life and uh, look forward, as they take another step forward, rather, uh, it's important to remember that our foundation needs to be on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's not just good for our graduates. Hey, that's good for every person uh, to be reminded of that, because sometimes we will uh, kind of get off off kilter and and sidetracked. Really, life has a way of doing that. Uh, I was talking with somebody, and he said, yeah, I used to, uh, he said, I, 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 he plays the guitar, and, and I play the mandolin, and, and uh, he said, yeah, he said, I, man, I haven't played in a while. I said, I'm with you, and he says, he said, I said, uh, yeah, life happened, and uh, I said, yeah, that's true. I mean, life gets busy, and sometimes you get sidetracked, but I want to look at this morning as we think about the foundation. Your foundation ought to be laid on the Lord Jesus Christ. And after that foundation is, is laid on the Lord Jesus Christ, we talked about the work and the uh, energy that goes into uh, digging a foundation. But listen, after that, hey, I want to look at the fact that we are blessed and we can be blessed of the Lord. Psalm chapter number 1 deals with this. I remember memorizing this psalm as a teenager, and it's a great psalm to memorize. Listen, I encourage you, uh, sometimes we don't uh, perhaps say enough about memorizing the Word of God. Uh, and there's just something about hiding the Word of God in our heart. I'm, I, many of you would know I'm, I'm totally messed up as far as quoting Scripture uh, because I memorized it in English, and then I went to Peru for uh, 15 years, and I memorized it in Spanish, and then I went to Italy, and, uh, and word started working on memorizing it in Italian. And now when I go to quote a verse, it doesn't come right, out right in any language. It doesn't matter uh, what language I use. And so, uh, But I, I want to encourage you, uh, to memorize the Word of God. Uh, there's just something about taking the Word of God and placing it in your that will help you. And I remember memorizing Psalm, uh, and what a, what a great Psalm to memorize as you can carry it with you the rest of your life. I get started with the Psalm, and, and I can quote at least the first three verses correctly in English. Praise the Lord for that. But it says here in Psalm chapter number 1, in verse number 1, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. 
Let's stop right there this morning and let's pray before we get into the message and think about the idea of being blessed. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word. God, I pray that you'd use me. I pray, Father, that you would speak through me. God, I pray that you would touch each and every heart as only you can. God, I pray that you would uh, bless each and every person that's here. God, may each and every person have their foundation built upon Jesus Christ. God, I pray that each and every person will know that, uh, that they have trusted you as their own personal Savior. God, if they don't know that, may they get that settled today. God, may us as Christians learn to build our life around you, that our life can truly be blessed as you lay out in these verses. God, I pray that you'd speak through me and touch hearts as only you can. In Jesus' precious name, we pray. Amen. As we look at these verses this morning, I want you to know that, uh, boy, we are living in a day that, that it seems like uh, there is ungratefulness, there is a lack of joy throughout many people, many people in this world today, and especially after 2020, uh, having closed out the, uh, the, all of that has taken place. I always tell people that 2020 was like a skip year, I mean a leap year. I always tell people, uh, we did this last year, and they're like, no, we didn't do it last year, we did it the year before, and it's like 2020 didn't happen. But it did happen. And many people go, go, closing out 2020 are looking at their life saying, man, what am I living for? And they found themselves very, uh, very perplexed at what life is and the fact that, hey, they have no joy in their life. There's a lot of people that are, uh, really feel entitled and they feel like everything should be given to them. And, and listen, there is no joy in entitlement. There's just not. Because you become the center of everything and everything revolves around you and it just breeds selfishness. And let me tell you this, that selfishness will never give you joy in your life. I've read of stories and I could tell you of them, of, of, of kids and, that have grown up in, in millionaires' homes and have, have thought you would think they have it all because they have all the money and they have everything that life could offer but they are totally void of joy in their life. Because, listen, you can't buy that stuff. God is the only one that can provide that. And listen, I want you to know this morning, as we look at the psalm, the blessed is the man. And I want you, and God wants you, to have a life that is blessed. I want you to understand this this morning. I, this is not a prosperity message you can uh, listen God can bless somebody in poverty just as much as he can bless somebody in riches so I want you to understand it's not the the blessing that we're looking at it is not the possessions it's not having wealth it's not having riches but it is having peace with God and a blessing that is beyond compare to anything that this world offers. As we look at this psalm this morning, I want you to understand this. He starts out the psalm, and we're only going to cover the first three verses of this psalm. The last three are, are deal really with the, the ungodly. As we looked at the Luke chapter 6 last week, and we discussed that uh, the, the wise man built his house upon the rock, and he dug that foundation. Then it goes on about the foolish man, and this psalm kind of parallels that, and it tells you about the, the blessed person, and it tells you about the ungodly person or somebody who is not blessed. 
And we're going to look specifically at the first three verses here. And I want you to notice in verse number one, he lays out very clearly for us the separation that needs to take place as we're dealing with saved people. He says this in verse number one, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. You notice that uh, he is telling us there are some things that we need to separate from in our life. And, he's gonna, and he says that, hey, if you do that, you're going to be blessed in your life. That's the way he describes it. He says, blessed, somebody who is going to have a blessing in their life, is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. That word blessed means made happy or prosperous, pronounced happy. Listen, that's what we need in this world. That's what we need, that, that we could live a happy life, and Jesus wants us to have a happy life. And he says the happiness comes by separating. He gives us three things in verse number one. He tells us, number one, uh, to walk not in the counsel of the ungodly. Now, what is counsel? Counsel is advice, opinion, or instruction. And, and we have talked about this a lot on Wednesday night uh, in the book of Proverbs. We're going through the book of Proverbs on Wednesday night, and I encourage you to be here on Wednesday night if you can be able to be here. And It's just practical wisdom. But uh, the book of Psalm, he says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. The counsel is that advice, the instruction. Listen, this world is constantly hounding us with its philosophy. It's hounding us with anti-God and anti-religious ideas and it's constantly promoting everything that goes contrary to the Word of God. And listen, they'll slip it in in every place and every nook and every cranny that they can find to try and push it into your life, whether it's in advertisements that you see or whether it's uh, in, in the radio or in the TV or uh, even uh, on the Internet and, and all over the place. They are pushing their ideas upon us. And listen, God says, don't walk in that counsel of the ungodly. In other words, listen to what they are saying. Listen, the proverb goes on and I, I start talking about Proverbs and it says this. The Bible says in Proverbs 26 and verse number 9, it says, As a thorn goeth up into the hand of a drunkard, so is a parable in the mouth of fools. And you're saying, well, great, what does that mean? I'll explain it to you. I'm glad you asked. It is not, uh, it's not the fourth most coming uh, proverb. But you think about a drunkard, if he, if he were to uh, stick a thorn in his hand, what does a, a drunkard doesn't feel pain as much? And so he'll run that thing up in there and not even know it. He'll put his hand on something and, and cut him and not even realize it because he doesn't feel the pain. But later when he wakes up, hey, he'll realize, man, I did something, tore myself up. And he compares that to a parable in the mouth of a fool. Now what is a parable? is a short illustration to help teach a point. Jesus gave parables all the time, and uh, we often, uh, I call them word pictures. In other words, I will uh, try and illustrate something by using a word picture, something that you would understand so that you can understand what's being talked about. And he's saying, listen, if a fool is trying to teach, and if you're listening to him, that listen, you are, it's like a, a drunk man that's going to run a, a thorn up into his hand. 
And you might not realize it, but later on it's going to come back to hurt you. And you're going to wake up and say, well, that was foolish advice. Well, that wasn't smart. And listen, this world is constantly trying to promote its ideas. Don't, let, don't listen to the foolish teaching that would get away from the Word of God, that would tell you, hey, this is a better way. Uh, the world is constantly trying to downtrample uh, the God of the universe. Hey, listen, they're constantly putting it to our children in schools that this world evolved. This world did not evolve. God created, you can go back to Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3. Read the Genesis account that Jesus Christ, or that God and Jesus Christ in Colossians, it says that they created this world. And it was in six literal days. It was not thousands of years. Why do they do that? Because they don't want the authority of God over top of them. This whole idea of, of gender neutrality, uh, why is that? Listen, the Bible is very clear. In the beginning, male and female made he them. God made them the way they were. And listen, there's no way to choose. There's no way to decide. That is man saying, I am more intelligent than God, and I'm more powerful than God, and I don't have to listen to what God says. I can do what I want to do, and their philosophy is being pushed time and time again throughout all of our society. Listen, it's in commercials, it's on TV, it's everywhere you look, it's on billboards. They are constantly pushing the idea that God is non-existent and that man can rule and do whatever he wants and it's contrary to the Word of God. The Bible would tell us in Psalm 1, in verse number 1, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. In other words, we're not going to walk to that beat of that drum. That's not where we're at. Because the Bible is true and what God has said is more important than anything that mankind can throw at us. And we want to follow the Lord Jesus Christ because He told us, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Hey, listen, don't listen to the worldly philosophy. It is, I am telling you... It, I sometimes, I, I sit down and watch movies. Sometimes I see stuff and I'm like, what are they really trying to say by this? It seems like an innocent story. It seems like an innocent line. But nine times out of ten, I'm telling you, there's an agenda that they are pushing in our direction. And they're putting it before us time in and time out that they want us to see. And it might not be so straightforward, but I'm telling you, it is there. And they are ungodly and they're going against what God wants. The world spouts its wisdom through all of that, through TV, through radio, through books, through education, through entertainment. Let me tell you something. Think of it this way. Don't drink the water. We, you know the old phrase, don't drink the Kool-Aid. I'm going to tell you, don't drink the water. We, of course, lived in Peru, South America for many years. And anybody, anytime anybody says, uh, you know, give them a tip, uh, my tip is don't drink the water in South America. That's my tip. That's my, that's my ever-standing tip. We lived down there for so long, and, and, uh, and I, I know some missionaries, they said, well, maybe I'll build up a tolerance and immunity to it, and they kept trying just little bits of it. It never did work for them, and I didn't even bother trying because I just thought, man, there's no sense. Uh, but you know what we did is we bought a filter for our water, and we would take that 
that water that you could not drink, that you could, it would make you sick if you drank even just a little bit of it. We would take that water and we'd put it in that filter and you know what would happen? Uh, that filter would take out all the impurities of that and out would come pure water. Listen, the water that the society is throwing at us, every bit of it better be filtered through the filter of the Word of God. Because I'm telling you, there's little particles, there's little things. It might look clean, it might seem like it's innocent, it might seem like it's all good, but everything better be filtered through the Word of God because this is the only filter that will catch it all and take it all out. We need to wash our thinking and wash our mind with the Word of God because I'm telling you, the world wants us to walk in their counsel. They are pushing an agenda on us. And the Bible would say, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. They want us to walk in that counsel. We don't want to walk in that counsel. But the second thing uh, under that separation is, the first thing is listening. We ought not listen to the counsel of the world. The second thing is, as we look at our verse, it says, Nor stand in the way of sinners. And I put down there, lingering. Listen, it's one thing you listen, and then you think, well, you know, that doesn't sound so bad. I mean, the whole, the whole phrase, and I've said it many times, oh, follow your heart. No, don't follow your heart. The Bible tells us very clearly the heart of man is uh, wicked above all things and desperately wicked, and who could know it? Don't follow your heart. Don't trust your heart. You better follow the Word of God. Because their philosophy is being pushed. And after you listen, well, that doesn't sound so bad. And, and, you, and, then, and then all of a sudden what happens? You start lingering. And the Bible says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. In other words, he's not listening to it. He's not adhering to it. He's not going to say, well, I'm going to accept that. But if he does listen to it, listen, he's going to end up lingering. And it says, nor standeth in the way of sinners before long. You're standing there with them. And you're saying, well, you know, it doesn't sound too bad. And listen, they have a logical plea they'll walk you through. And it won't sound too bad. But the more you're there and you start lingering, it's kind of like Lot in the book of Genesis when, uh, when the Bible says that he pitched his tent towards Sodom and he was looking out there at Sodom. And then the, several chapters later, we find that he is living in Sodom. How did that happen? Listen, sin is often a progression and you're listening to the ideas of the world and the ungodliness. And before long, it starts lingering in your mind and you're lingering in the ideas of worldliness and in the ideas of, of wickedness and the ungodly. And as you're lingering, listen, it's going to cause problems. Then he says this, not only as you don't listen and don't linger, but he goes on and he says in, in the last part of that verse, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. I put down living like they are. Listen, it starts out by listening. Then it starts out by lingering with them and hanging out. Well, it's not so bad and this is okay and the next thing you know, Lot, he was living in Sodom and Gomorrah. Living there. And God's word clearly is giving us a guide to say, hey, separate from the worldliness that is out there. Separate from that stuff. Uh, the, Jesus, or the, the book of Peter, I believe it says, uh, come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord our God, and touch not the unclean thing. Uh, listen, he wants us throughout Scripture to separate from the worldliness that exists. 
Listen, that's one of the things as a Christian. You want to live a blessed life. You want to have happiness. You want to have joy. Listen, separate from the world. Because the world is not going to promote joyfulness. Oh, they'll make it look like it's a party. They'll make it look like everything's good. But it's really not. The Bible gives us the very first step for, being a, for having a, a blessed life is, is separating from ungodliness. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Get away from the world. The second thing I want you to notice in verse number 2, we see separation in verse number 1. I want you to notice in verse number 2, the Scripture. Look at what he says. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. You know what the word delight means? A high degree of pleasure or satisfaction of the mind. A high degree of pleasure or satisfaction of the mind. I put down that idea of delight. Sometimes in Christian, in our, in our circles, it becomes duty or delight. And sometimes, honestly, we do things out of a sense of duty. Listen, he said here in the psalm, but ble- he's talking about blessed and, and somebody who separates from the world. But then he goes on in verse number two, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. Listen, serving the Lord, coming to church and reading our Bible and praying and witnessing to others should not be a drudge, but it ought to be a delight to us. Sometimes, listen, to be frank with you, it is, a, it is a sense of duty. We do it out of a sense of duty. I, I remember many times in Peru, and, and even sometimes since I've been here, and, and I know, I, well, I need to go out and pass out tracks, and I need to go out and hit the streets, and, and sometimes, man, I'm like, man, it's hot out. I don't feel like doing it. And, and, and I tell you what, and it's like the Lord says, hey, you need to go anyways, and I'll go. I've never once gone and come back and said, I wish I hadn't gone. Not once. I don't care if I want to go or don't want to go. Every single time that I've done what the Lord wants me to do, I come back and I say, I am glad I did that. And it's a delight to me. It doesn't even matter. It doesn't mean somebody got saved that day. Sometimes nothing happens. But I tell you what, I come back and I know that I have done what God wants me to do and there is a joy and there is a delight in knowing that you're right with God. Sometimes you come to church and you think, man, I don't feel like going to church today. This happened, that happened, I didn't sleep well and this ain't going right and that ain't going right. You come to church, and you know what? Time and time again, in my life, I've been blessed by just doing what God wants me to do. And I find delight, and I find joy. We ought not do it out of sense of duty, but listen, if you don't have delight, hey, do it anyway, and delight will come. And God will take care of you. God will provide that delight. Look with me in Psalm chapter 119. Save your spot in Psalm 1 as we'll be back there. Uh, But Psalm 119, as we think about the idea that uh, David wrote the many of the Psalms, and in Psalm 119, it deals all with the Word of God. It's quite a 
a remarkable chapter. It is the longest chapter in the Bible. In Psalm 119, uh, look at how many times he uses the word delight. And remember that delight is a high degree of pleasure or satisfaction of the mind. In Psalm chapter number 119, in verse number 16, the Bible says this, I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. He's talking about taking joy in the statutes. That would be the word of God. He said, I will delight myself in, your, in thy statutes. Look with me at verse number 24. He said, thy testimonies, that would be the word of God, also are my delight and my counselors. Look with me at verse 35. He says, make me to go in the path of, uh, path of thy commandments, for therein do I delight. Look with me at verse 47. He says, and I will delight myself in thy commandments, which I have loved. Look with me at verse 70. He says, their heart is as fat as grease, but I delight in the law, in thy law. He goes on in verse 69, he's talking about people that were pitted against him. And, uh, and he says, their, fat is, or their heart is fat as grease. I, I don't know what that means, I'll be honest with you. But I think it's funny, and I think it probably means that they, they looked like they were doing very well. Probably many times in Christianity, our enemies look like they are doing better than we are as Christians, to be honest with you. But then he contrasts that, and he says in verse number 70, But I delight in thy law, even if things aren't going well. Look at verse number 174. He says in verse 174, I have longed for thy salvation, O Lord, and thy law is my delight. Listen, this book ought to be our delight as a Christian. I want you to think about this. David only had the first five books of the Bible written. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. I don't know that there were other books written during his day. Could you imagine if you just had those five books? Man, sometimes we read through the book of Leviticus. I read through the book of Leviticus. I'm like, man, that is a lot of laws. That is a lot of sacrifices. And I'm glad I'm not Jewish. I'll be honest with you. And I'm glad we live in the New Testament age. I, I really am. But I'm glad that I have the word of God. And how much more can we love the word of God having the complete word of God in our hands that God has spoken to us so many more volumes than David had, and he took great delight in it. Listen, I'm saying this morning that we ought to delight in the Word of God. What does delight means to enjoy? I wrote down here, like ice cream. It's summertime, right? And I love ice cream. I'll be honest with you. There's something about ice cream, man, you just get it and you put it in your mouth and it's good. You know what? The Word of God is always good just like that. If we would delight in it, if we would take pleasure in it, we'd say, God, show me something from your Word. He says in verse number 2 of Psalm 1, but his delight is in the law of the Lord that we would absolutely love and adore the Word. God. Not only that does he say our delight, but listen, he says in that verse 2 as well, he says, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. I wrote down not only our delight, the scripture should be our delight, but the scripture should be our devotion. 
what goes through your mind? Listen, we, we think about, I think about a lot of things. And if I ever get downtime, I'm thinking about things that are broken. I can fix it because I don't like broken things. And what runs through our mind? We think about work. We think about pleasure. We think about different things. And there's, that's not necessarily wrong to think about those things. But let me ask you this. How often do you think about God and his word? How much does that run through your mind? David, here in the psalm, uh, verse number 2, he says this. In the second part, he says, In his law doth he meditate day and night. To meditate means to dwell on anything in thought, to contemplate, to study, to turn or revolve any subject in the mind appropriately, but not exclusively used of pious contemplation or consideration of great truths of religion. Listen, going through the psalm, there's one thing I have realized, or rather the Proverbs, there's one thing I realized, like that proverb that we read, uh, you read it and you don't just get it the first time around. You know what you have to do? You have to meditate on it. You have to think about it. You have to turn it over in your mind. You have to read it uh, and then let it set for a day and then read it again and, and reread it. Listen, sometimes in the Word of God, there's many things that you won't get just reading through the Word of God. It requires devotion. It requires thinking about it. It requires studying it. It requires reading it and understanding what the Word of God is saying and saying, God, help me to understand your Word. Meditating on the Word of God. We live in a society, man, we are so, we've got TVs, we got radios. Uh, we don't have just the silence. Used to be. And finding time to meditate and to just be like the Bible says, be still and know that I am God. It's gone. By purpose. The world doesn't want us to stop and know who God is. The world doesn't want to stop and think about eternity and, and, and what is to come and what is life because when they start thinking about that, they realize the unhappiness in their life. But as a Christian, hey, we ought to stop. Just turn it all off. Take your cell phone and hit, turn it off. They do turn off. They really do. It, you have to hold the button a long time, probably count to 60 seconds or something, and it will completely shut off. Shut it off. Turn off the TV. Turn off the radio. Turn off everything. And just take the Word of God and meditate and think about the Word of God and how it applies to your life. He says here in verse number 2, to be blessed of God, we need to separate from ungodliness, but then we need to uh, unite with Scripture. We need to delight in it. We need to be devoted. He says, meditate day and night in the Word of God. We fill our life with so many things. We need to think about God. Do you know what the Bible says in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8? It says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, he says this, think on these things. 
it's, he's commanded us in the New Testament to stop and to think about things that are good. Listen, this book is full of good stuff. This book is sweet. This book will bless you if, you if you separate from the world and you dedicate yourself to the Word of God and you delight in it and you're devoted to the Word of God, listen, you will be blessed. Look with me in verse number 3. And he says this in verse number 3. This is what's going to happen. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. If you read that verse, you'll find four things that God does, that God promises that will, uh, will be blessed in your life. Number one, uh, that you'll be planted. We find success in, this, in verse number three. So we have separation in verse one, scripture in verse two, and success in verse number three. And I want you to notice that the first thing under success is that you'll be planted. He's giving an illustration in this verse that those people would have understood. Maybe today we don't understand. I don't know uh, if we have any uh, fruit trees, uh, people who grow orchards or anything like that in our congregation. And I, I'll be honest with you, I don't do a whole lot of planting and a whole lot of that stuff. I don't really understand it all. But I will say this, that he was giving this illustration to people in that day who would have very much understood that a tree planted by the rivers of water, man, that's a huge blessing. Why is that? In Italy, we had uh, several fruit trees in our yard, and I didn't know nothing about fruit trees. And they didn't produce, and the little fruit that came off them were so withered and so bad that first year. I got to asking around, and somebody said, well, you got to water them trees. Oh, water those trees. Imagine that. I didn't know that. I didn't. Didn't know that. He said, yeah, you got to put five gallons of water on those trees every single night. I didn't know that. We got the hose out. Actually, I told my kids to do it. Get the, get the hose, water those trees every night. They got the hose out, and they watered those trees, and the next year the fruit came out a lot better. It was a lot, a lot better. You know, fruit tree, most fruit trees, I don't know, I'm not going to say all fruit trees, but they require a lot of water. You sit there and you water them things, and they water, 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 water. Listen. The fact that this tree was planted by the rivers of water, you know what that means? Man, you don't have to go out and water it. It was effectively a blessing because here's a tree growing by a natural water source. The roots would run down there, and you wouldn't have to do all the work to get the fruit, and you would get the benefit of the fruit because it was planted by rivers of water. It was located right there uh, where, listen, it would be a well-watered source. And he's saying that, listen, what a blessing that it was planted and that it would be well-watered. That's success, that it would be well-watered. Not only that, but it would be productive. He says there, uh, planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. Listen, as a Christian, we ought to be bringing forth fruit. If we're separated from the world and we are dedicated to the Word of God, we are going to be bringing forth fruit in our life. What is the fruit? Well, the Bible says Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And listen, as Christians, the more that we're planted in the Word of God and the more that we're watered with the Word of God, the better our fruit is going to come out and the better fruit is going to be of all those fruit of the Spirit. 
Because the water of the Word is going to work with the Spirit and it's going to produce good fruit in our lives. Not just the fruit of the Spirit, that is a fruit. But I want you to notice as well, it's going to produce other Christians. I've always struggled when I see, what does that mean that there would be fruit? And I think it's two things. I think it's twofold. I think there are fruit of the Spirit. The Bible's very clear about that, that there will be love, joy, peace, and all of that list of things that ought to be produced in a Christian's life. But the Bible says in Proverbs 11.30, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that souls is wise. Listen, it's going to be other Christians. Hey, when that fruit goes out and that seed goes down into the ground and is planted, you know what happens? Another tree sprouts up. And I think that our life ought to produce other Christians and that we ought to be witnessing to others and we ought to see other people's lives that would sprout up as a result of us being separated from the world, dedicated to the Word of God. And He's promised that, hey, we'll have success, that we'll be planted by the rivers of water and that our fruit will, that our, our fruit will come forth in His season. Fruit doesn't come overnight, but it does come. And we ought to have that fruit in our life. We ought to be productive. Not only are we planted, not only are we productive, but I want you to notice that it'll be perpetual. Look at what he says there in verse 3. He says, His leaf also shall not wither. You continue drinking and delighting in the Word of God. And listen, it will replenish everything you use up. And you just keep putting out. You just keep putting out because you're taking in from the source that will never run dry. You're taking in from the well that will never run empty, the Word of God. There's a perpetualness that goes on there. Not only that, but he says in the last part of verse 3, he says, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. There's prosperity. I said in the beginning, and I'll say it again, prosperity is not the way we think it. That's the worldly idea of thinking. We think of prosperity as, well, he's got 100 grand in the bank, the house paid for, and the car, he's got a new car sitting in the driveway. That's what we think of prosperity. Listen, God's ways are so different. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 55 really quick. Isaiah chapter 55, I want you to see this. Isaiah chapter 55 and verse number 8. Isaiah 55 and verse number 8, the Bible says this. Oh, go back to verse number 7. The Bible says, oh, go, for, go back to verse number 6. I'm sorry, we just can't skip all that. It says in verse number 6, Isaiah 55 and verse 6, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and our God for he will abundantly pardon. Then he goes on in verse 8, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth and maketh it bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. Listen, God's idea of prosperity is not the same as man's idea of prosperity. But he does promise in Psalm 1, verses 1, 2, and 3, hey, that will prosper. Not according to our 
recollection, not according to what we deem as prosperity, but according to what God deems as prosperity. Listen, we'd have the fruit of the Spirit. We'd have joy in our life. We'd have love. We'd have peace. We'd have temperance. We'd have all those things that come as a result of what? Just three things. Verse 1, separating from ungodliness, dedicating ourselves to the Word of God. Then God will bless and will provide these things planted, uh, the productivity, the perpetual, that his leaf shall not wither, and the prosperity that God will give us. Again, not riches according to man's ideas and man's philosophy, but the blessing of God on our life. The book of Proverbs would tell us that's far greater than anything that this world could offer. Thousands of gold and silver are not to be compared to the wisdom of God because his word is far greater than any of that. Listen, God wants to bless you this morning. But are you going to separate? Are you going to dedicate yourself to the Word of God and allow God to bless your life? With every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet this morning. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. You can do that today. He wants to save you. He wants you to be born again. God, I pray that you'd bless each and every person that's here this morning. Father, that's heard this message. And God, help us to realize and understand in reality you truly do want to bless us. You've laid down some things for us to accomplish, to separate from ungodliness, to dedicate ourselves to your work that you could bless us. God, I pray that as Christians, I pray that as families, we would choose, like Joshua said, that this day he would serve the Lord. I pray that you'd help us to choose to separate from sin, worldliness, and to get dedicate ourselves to your work. I pray that you'd bless each and every person in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As the piano begins to play, if God's spoken to your heart, the altar's open. Delight in the Word of God. Devote yourself to the Word of God. Memorize the Word of God. Meditate on the Word of God. These are things that are important. 